Hello, everyone. Welcome to AU4H Radio Real Talk. We're talking about child abuse and mental health connection here tonight. Glad to be here. My name is Laurieann Smith, and I'm here with my sisters, my besties, Donna Shear, Lee Roberts, and we're glad to be here tonight. Hello, sissies. <laughs> Hi, Lori. Hi, Lee. Yeah, this is an important topic we're talking about tonight. It's such an issue. Has you know, it has been for a long, long time. Child abuse and its repercussions and the mental health connection. Um, as a survivor of abuse, you know, I know firsthand about this this topic tonight. And um, so, you know, anybody who's been through any kind of trauma, you know, um, can definitely identify. So hopefully, you'll get something out of this for everybody who's here and listening and joining us tonight. Glad to have you. And uh, there's been a lot going on. Uh, April was Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month in the United States, basically kind of around the world, sort of. Um, <laughs> everybody knows about it pretty much. Um, so we, we were busy doing lots of stuff for that. And I know Donna had an event in her area, and it was, uh, but it was May 1st, and it was the uh, it was like AU4H, Advocacy United for Humanity fundraising um, event that, that they had in her area there. And I thought you might want to just give us an update on how that went. Sure. Um, it was a great event. It was a great day. Um, we actually celebrated on May 1st because it fit everybody's schedule a little better. Um, what we did was we had a basket raffle and we chanced off 38 baskets and we had door prizes and we gave away over 50 prizes. Everyone come out. Um, they showed their support. Everyone had a great day. Um, we had food and drinks, and you should have seen me making candy cotton for the kids. I could hold it was in my hair <laughs> in my ears. <laughs> but um, but it, all in all, it was it was a great day. We raised a lot of money for a good cause. It's going to go towards our community kids watch program, and. That is our main program we're focusing on this year due to the fact that so many kids are in need and suffering. But like I said, I, yeah, I'm i actually blessed by all the people that come out and I'm very grateful and thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. You were saying that it was, it was a good turnout and it was a good event. And, you know, yeah, for all the people that were that were part of it and went out and, and participated, you know, we really appreciate it and thank you. And for all the people that helped to put that event on. Oh, yes. Happen, you know, and the people that donated, you know, the, the, the prizes and, Lori, and we, stuff. Yeah. We were really blessed because we had the most amazing sponsors. We had to buy basically next to nothing because so many people supported us, so many area businesses. I was actually shocked by the number of businesses because I thought we would get a few, but not as many as we did. And I was really blown away by the community support here. I always wonder how many people in the area actually support what we do, you know, and like, I know when someone's in need, they always know who we are, you know, and we're the first people they reach out to. But it seems like when no one's in need, they kind of forget about you or, or who you are or what you're doing. You know, it's easy to forget until you need something. Yeah. And I never look at it that way because I always think, you know, I myself, when things are going good, I don't look for negative things, you know, but I was really surprised by, like I said, the number of people that come out, the area businesses that supported us. I mean, I am, I'm so grateful. I, I don't even have words to say how grateful I am because 
as the people kept coming in the door, it was like, I cannot believe we were making this much of an impact in the community that they, you know, that they are just supporting us to the max. And it, it was a great day. And I am grateful to the, the sponsors, the volunteers. We had a small team, but each one of them, I mean, they gave it 110%. And we went for six hours. It was a really long day. Um, we actually got there at like 10 in the morning. We started setting up. I don't think I got home till 10 that night. <laughs> but uh, I got home and I was exhausted. But um, no, we had a really great day. And like I said, I am grateful for everyone that came out, everyone that supported us, the sponsors. It, it was just an all in all great day. And I'm grateful. Very grateful. That's very cool. Thanks for giving us an update on that because I really wish I could have been there. I know Lee, um, you know, she wished, we both wish that we could have been there in person to be part of that. And uh, I wish we could have too. <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice. We do. We're not there to, to, you know, to tell people that, but we really do appreciate everybody who supported, you know, who does support us and support our work and, um, you know, helps us to, to do what we're doing so we really appreciate that that's very very awesome yeah absolutely <laughs> and we had an event ourselves that we were invited to that was last tuesday it was the um for april child abuse prevention awareness month it was the hope collaborative riverside family services um webinar workshop that out of riverside california we were invited, AU for H Radio, us ladies here, <laughs> we were invited to speak at their <laughs> webinar and actually do this workshop. So that was an amazing time. And I mean, I, I really appreciated just being able to tell my story and to share with people, you know, how hard it is for children who are being abused and when they when they don't get help. And there's, you know, even with social, like the CPS, Child Protective Services involved, our family slipped through the cracks, which this is common, it doesn't happen. And so, you know, I was just really glad to be a voice for all survivors, really, for the, and for victims, you know, who didn't make it. And, and as, you know, as we all are, have been for many years, advocating um, to stop and prevent child abuse. And it was just really an awesome time to be there to, to share that with you guys. And, you know, one, it was like, it was like, yeah, one, you know, one more time to do this, you know, and to hopefully make a difference. So it was an amazing event, and um, we're just thankful to Stephanie and her team at Hope Collaborative who made that possible for us to actually do that workshop. So that was awesome. It was great. So this it was. It really was. Yeah. I, it, it was really nice to be on there and actually share and it was great to have the feedback because, you know, we do so many things and a lot of times we don't get feedback. And it was really great to know that the people really enjoyed what we do, what we had to say, and we encouraged them. And that and that's a great thing. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it's just such a, really such an honor to be asked to do that um, from another not-for-profit, you know, yes. to invite us to be part of that. I think that's just amazing. So that was a great event. So there's been lots happening, lots going on. We've been busy. And um, busy. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you know, and that's good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's our aim. That's our goal. So, um, so that's some of the latest news that we have. And tonight we thought, to, well, this month, May is the Mental Health Awareness Month. And so that's our focus for this month. 
and we're going to um, tonight we're going to talk about child abuse and mental health connection. I know myself as a survivor of abuse, uh, I've had so many problems in my life, uh, all the way up growing up abused, and you know, and then as a teenager, um, and then as a young adult, and then you know, as as a, as a grown woman trying to make it in this world, because of the abuse that I suffered, caused me a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, a lot of problems. Um, and it's been like, um, it's kind of like walking a minefield. Um, I don't know where the mines are, and I'm carefully stepping and trying to make my way through this minefield that's, that's my life. And every now and then, I, I, hit, I hit a mine. And it explodes, <laughs> and it's it's hard to deal with. These things are really hard to deal with. I know as a survivor of abuse, I've done, you know, lots and lots of reading into the issues, um, what these issues are, with the because of the trauma that I suffered as a child, and um, so that I can get help with it. I never did go see a counselor or a therapist, but I have had lots of actually a few, not a lot, so I can say, but but a handful of therapists and counselors that have talked to me through the years and since I started my healing journey. And, um, you know, that was very nice and very helpful. I never really did do traditional therapy. I went group counseling instead, like group, group support, because I really felt safer in a group system, like a situation. Safety in numbers for me. <laughs> I don't do well with one on one. So yeah, I didn't trust a counselor or therapist, especially when I first started my healing journey. Now I probably now I would. I'd be okay with it. But when I first started my healing journey, I just I couldn't do that. There was no way. So I did uh, group support and that was wonderful. It was very, very helpful to get me started on the road to recovery from years and years of just, you know, never having really dealt with the issues, never never dealing with my own mental health and well being. Um, because of the abuse that I suffered and, and the psychological trauma that I went through as a child. And uh, both of my parents were mentally ill. They were diagnosed mentally ill. Um, that in itself is hard to come from, uh, being born and brought up by mentally unwell people. Um, my dad was borderline schizophrenic as well as borderline personality disorder. They were, they were diagnosed at the time when they were arrested on child abuse charges. They had to go to court-ordered uh, psych evaluations and uh, my mom was diagnosed at the time manic depression which is now they changed the name of it over the years to uh, bipolar mm -hmm. so and also and, and uh, suicidal ideation both of my parents were suicidal but my dad my mom had suicidal ideation but my dad was suicidal he actually used to try to kill himself and um, he also had attempted some familicide where you know you kill the family and then kill yourself, right? So it was very hard, very, very hard to grow up in that. Um, that's why I speak publicly about it, because for me, that was my safety. That was my way of saying, I can't carry this load to you. I'm, I'm speaking now. I'm telling it. I'm telling the world. I'm telling the world what happened. Yeah. And, uh, instead of one or two people, man, I want everybody to know it's my safety mechanism, because Growing up like that was a nightmare, and I really want people to understand what it is for a child to grow up in a situation where you trust no one, because there's no one to trust. I couldn't trust my mother. I couldn't trust my dad. I couldn't trust my siblings. And 
who do you trust? Growing up in that, I didn't trust teachers. I didn't trust anybody. Um, so, you know, I trusted my peers, the kids on the street around me, my, my, my friends. Um, I did trust them. And, you know, it's it was hard. And then late as an adult to try to navigate, um, you know, after in the aftermath of, of growing up like that, very difficult. So, you know, it's so, so difficult for people. I know it is. And the issues are that, you know, I mean, I'm just one person willing to talk about it. But, you know, if you do this, you know, I know, Donna, you've got some information to bring out about that, about what this actually does and what a real problem it is for our society, how it affects so many people. Um, so, yeah, if you want to you give that information, that'd be great. Well, I don't think that a lot of people understand that mental health is actually um, part of our overall health and our well-being. And whether it's psychological, emotional, or social well-being, it affects how you think, how you feel, how you act. And it also determines how you can handle stress, um, how you relate to others, and the healthy choices that you make in your life. Um, mental health is important at every stage of your life, whether it's from childhood to being an adult. Um, there's no real single cause for mental health. It more ranges from trauma, like history of abuse, domestic violence, um, <laughs> witnessing violence or domestic violence, chronic conditions such as chronic pain, chronic illnesses, someone that may have cancer, um, drugs, alcohol, loneliness, isolation. And then there's a lot of people that are just really have chemical imbalances and that weighs on them heavily, you know, and, I did, I did take a look at the um, stats today, and um, I was actually shocked that so many people suffer from mental illness. And it's, um, it actually stated that 50% um, of all people will be diagnosed with mental illness at one stage in their life. And I was shocked by that number. That, that just seems insane. Like, it's so many people affected by it, and you don't even realize it. Um, but it also said that one in five Americans will suffer and also one in five children will develop mental illness throughout their lifetime. And that's sad when you think about it. Um, you know, and a lot of people that we have worked with over the past, I have said to them about mental illness and, you know, what they can do to kind of help themselves. And we always suggest counseling, you know, or therapy or group therapy, as you had said. But also I tell them that, you know, you have to feel good about yourself and you have to try to make yourself feel good. And I have told them to do little things from like writing little notes and putting on the refrigerator, writing little notes on the mirror, saying I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am special, I matter, I count. And yeah. honestly, a lot of times it's the little things that make the biggest difference. Yeah, absolutely. I know for myself, I can speak that that is absolutely true and i talked about that with my survivor community on one child abuse survivor to another on my youtube channel i mean i'm always kind of talking about because that was really a big part of my recovery was to um, in order to start to change the way i felt about myself because the abuse all the abuse and the, that i suffered as a child had i had this picture of myself that was um it wasn't right. 
it was da- you know it was damaged. It was like um, I needed to change the way I I saw myself. I needed to change the way that I saw life. Um, you know, growing up abused, life life was bad. It was horrible. Um, yeah, you know, the, the violence and the 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 trauma. Um, then, as a teen, it was still going on. So my life was violent and tra- traumatic then too, and just you know, not doing well, doing drugs, um, you know, for, to escape the situation and 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 also to do just to be more destructive to myself, you know. Um, so I had to learn how to see myself differently, and I did a lot of self affirmations and a lot of that positive self image, um, you know, that I have to be okay with myself. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter, you know, apart from what I went through, it's kind of like, okay, who am I today sitting here right now? At the end of the day, I have to be okay with myself. I was actually talking about that on my on my show today. <laughs> you, you do, though. You have to see yourself in a positive light because you it takes a toll on how you see yourself. And a lot of people don't realize that. And people get feeling down and low and just the little pick-me-ups make you feel so much better. And, you know, seeing yourself in a positive light, that may, that makes a huge difference. And I know a lot of people, um, you know, like they're socially awkward due to the fact that, you know, they don't know how to react in front of other people. They get nervous, you know, anxiety. And a lot of it is depression, you know, and that plays part of our mental illness, you know, as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, um, that's very true. I, as far you know, from from the survivors that I've ever spoken with, and from material and books that I've read, and and the material out there on the web, on the internet, <clears throat> that you know, so many do suffer from anxiety, from depression, PTSD. Um, you know, it's quite common for uh, trauma survivors, and anybody who's survived any kind of trauma, it doesn't even have to be abuse related. We're talking about the child abuse mental health connection here tonight. But the issue is, is that trauma of any kind can leave a person with PTSD and oh, yeah. all of these really horrible um, things that they have to try to live with and to deal with and get over if they ever do overcome it. Um, you know, that's the issue. It's very, very difficult. And, um, you know, I just, I realized that I could manage without, um, you know, meds. I really felt that I didn't need to go see a clinical doctor because of the abuse. Because um, at the age of 42, when I finally decided to get help and stop this whole self-injuring thing um, and to start working towards a healthy lifestyle and a healthier mental wellness, mental well-being, um, I realized at that point that I needed to make better choices for myself, so I didn't need to be on medication. But some people do, and yeah. there's no shame in that. There's no shame in no, that. No, there's not. No. No. Uh, it's like whatever you need to do for, you know, if you're a survivor out there and you're listening to us talking here, and I know Lee will be, Lee will be talking too, but if you're listening, you know, there's no shame in any of this stuff. No. Because the shame, the shame does not belong to us. The shame, especially if you were abused, the shame belongs to the abuser. Not yes, to the it does. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you do need medication or, you know, something like that, um, 
so that you can have a good life. There's no shame in that. Uh, no. That's great. Or if you do need to see a therapist or a counselor and not two groups for you, whatever you need to do, whatever we need to do or I need to do so that I can have a good life and be mentally sound and mentally well, that's what I need to do. So I started to work on a lot of stuff uh, at the age of 42 when I started my healing journey. And I mean, yeah, I had to do all that stuff, go through and look at the issues and what had caused me to feel the way that I did and, you know, really delve into it. I did a lot of work. I mean, it's taken me years and years to do this. Hopefully it wouldn't take somebody that long, but it did take, sometimes it does. I mean, it takes as long as it, it does. Takes. So there, there's no, like, there's no limit on the amount of time that you can take to heal. I mean, it can be yeah. short time or it can be long term. It, it's whatever works best with you, how you feel and how you recover. Yeah, that's right, because we're all different. Yeah, yeah, everybody's and, different. And a lot of people, they put a time limit on something or they time stamp it. And it's like, you you can do that. But there's a lot of people that, you know, it takes longer to heal or even death and grief. Um in death there's yeah. people that they take death really easy and then there's people like me that like it take it takes a long time for me to be comfortable with understanding that someone that i love is now gone and there and there's no shame in that no that's right that's exactly right because like like i was saying like you know we're all different and we all handle things differently right and so i think it's just a matter of learning how to work through these things um and if, you, if we need clinical help then get it. If we need group support, get it. <laughs> um, you know, well, we have worked with survivors, and a lot of them, like, they don't want to go to counseling because they're embarrassed or they're ashamed. And I always tell them, you know, it's you don't have to bear the shame. Your abuser needs to bear that shame. They did that to you. You know, there, there's yeah. no shame in recovery or getting help of any kind. That's right. exactly right and it's um it's scary at first now i know this because when i first started my healing journey and uh back in you know 2007 roughly i didn't do really any work in it till about 2009 uh 2008 2009 right in there but once i, I was actually a little bit scary to join those groups i had never done anything like that before um to you know towards my healing journey and I joined an anonymous support group and it was scary. I have to admit, I, I literally was shaking doing this because I was thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm gonna have to, this was before I went public with my stuff. Um, I was just like, oh, you know, yeah. Like, because I knew I was gonna have to face all this horrible stuff to do this healing journey. And a lot of times people just feel like I can't do it. I can't do it. And I say, you know, to everybody out there who's listening to survivor abuse, only you can make that decision for yourself. You have to make the best decision for yourself. You know, um, for me, I knew that I needed, I needed help, and I needed to reach out because I was, I had suicidal ideation my whole, well, most of my life, uh, from the age of ten, really. And so I knew I wanted help to live, and I thought, I, if I'm gonna get over this stuff, I'm going to need a helping hand because obviously I cannot do it by myself. I just can't do it. 
Um, so for me, I had to reach out and get help, you know. Um, and for others, you know, they'll stay silent their whole life, and uh, they'll never they'll never tell anybody they were abused, and they'll just suffer in silence. But that's what they need to do. So it's it's no shame in that either. It's kind of what you need. Um, you know, only you can make that decision if you're listening to this and you're a survivor of abuse. You know, you have to make that choice and that decision for yourself. For me, I knew that I was uh, most likely going to end up committing suicide if I didn't reach out and get help. And I thought, this has just got to stop. You know, um, not only was I abused as a child, but then I go ahead and uh, carry on this, this suicidal ideation to the age of 42 because of the abuse. You know, I mean, I knew why I was doing it. It's you know, it's because I grew up in this horrific situation, and I had a lot of PTSD. I had a lot of flashbacks. I would say it was PTSD because I look at what PTSD is all about. I'm like, you know, I was experiencing a lot of that. So you know, I had intrusive flashbacks that would just happen. I'd be at work, and all of a sudden, I'm back. I'm sitting at my desk, but I'm not at my desk anymore. I'm being abused, literally, and I can. And I would and I feel I was actually sitting, I was, you know, it was, it was like going back in time. And these flashbacks were horrible. Um, and I once I started actually doing work to, you know, to heal, doing the healing journey process, um, those stopped. And I was able to manage quite well. Now I don't have flashbacks. I have memories, but they're not those intrusive flashbacks. And so, you know, it's gotten better, a lot better, but I had to do the work, um, you know, to, to make that, to, to, to get better. You know, I literally had to put time in, a lot of time. It wasn't, it doesn't happen overnight, I don't think for most people, you know. So, it's, it's hard, very, very hard. It's very hard. You know, people's lives, like, I mean, my, my brothers were, uh, you know, the, the whole child abuse, mental health, you know, connection that we're talking about here tonight. And my own family, I mean, I saw so, so much horrible stuff. And that happened even with my siblings and the troubles and, and the problems that they had later in life as adults because of it. They did jail time. They did prison time. They were drug users, uh, heavy drug users, not, you know, casual drug users. Um, they were, they, they couldn't do life. They literally could not do life. It's hard to cope. They were, it's very hard to cope. And one of my brothers, the one who sexually abused me, he was diagnosed at the time when my parents were brought on child abuse charges um, because they, they did psych tests on the whole family. He was diagnosed as well uh, bipolar and I don't know what else, but he was using heroin at a very young age. I mean, he was a heavy duty drug user and also mentally unwell. Um, you know, he lived on the streets and ate out of garbage cans for years. Um, and another one of my brothers did prison time. Um, actually, two of my brothers did prison time. Um, you know, the mental health, child abuse connection, it is, I mean, I, I, I see, I've seen it in my own family, so when I see the stats, I'm like, I totally understand this stuff, because that's how I grew up. Um, it is, it, it's, it costs society a huge, it's a huge cost on society. Um, and it's just so sad, because my brothers never got help, even in 
so you know they went through the prison system you know all of them actually were in jail at some point <laughs> um you know they could have got help and they were offered help many times but they couldn't do it and um they two of my brothers ended up killing themselves taking their own lives and not at the same time like years apart but i lost two brothers to suicide one to um like a murderer he was killed and so you know um it's horrific what this stuff does to people and it, it's it, 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 it would be a wonder to me if somebody was a you know who suffered abuse as a child could actually come out unscathed you know it's even people who think that they're doing great have troubles um not, not all of us suffer from heavy duty mental uh, illness or un, unwellness because we were abused as children that's obvious the issue is that it's hard to come through trauma like that without some scars whether it's ex, you know external scars on the body or whether it's internal scars on the heart and the mind i know lee's going to talk about uh the mind um, and, and what what child abuse does to the brain. Um, there's so much I I could relate to what you were sharing, Lori, with the suicidal ideations and the self harm. Um, I want to share something first, but one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year, and yeah. 50% of all lifetime mental illnesses begins by age 14, 75% by age 24, with suicide being the second leading cause of death among young people and um, young adults um, age 10 to 34. Uh, this, you know, um, when I think about the deaf community, those numbers, um, they're, the deaf community, deaf children are at an exponentially greater risk for, for abuse, for um, lack of resources. We need the resources of not only available, but accessible for you know those who are deaf and hard of hearing, because it's very difficult to get, um, to get help. And it's even harder, like I've shared before, for someone who is deaf to, or child even to, is deaf who, you know, is coming to disclose abuse. It's really difficult. Um, I know that when, you know, I did experience abuse before I was 14, but at 14 was when I wanted to take my life. And that was, you know, that was kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back per se um, in my emotional falling apart that at that point that happened, those thoughts happened and the desire to take my own life was right after I was gang raped by, you know, a group of boys that I knew with the two girls helping um, watch me. They didn't abuse me, but they did watch. Um, so it took me four years to work through that. I did deal with depression undiagnosed, I believe straight from the womb, being, um, being a, a lone twin, a surviving twin. Now my twin, she walks beside me, you know, still on the other side of the veil. And I know that she's always with me in spirit, um, but being physically alone, being born physically alone, it's and knowing that you know she was supposed to be with me. That's that was hard to deal with. But I still have rough days from that. But um, mm -hmm. there's something I, I would like to. I'm going to read in just a minute, but I want to share 
I want to share something um, in regards to um, stressors. So we know there's different types of stress. Um, even, you know, getting a good job, um, having something wonderful happen, having a new home, um, having a wonderful place. If you've been homeless and you've got your own, you know, you've got your own apartment or whatever now, that's a positive stress. And, you know, then we have the negative stress that, you know, all the bad things happen that affects our bodies. We're stressed out. I mean, it can be storms. It can be um, natural disasters. But then there's toxic stress. And that comes from the repeated traumas of, of child abuse as well. And, you know, and it can, it can come from other um, areas, but we're talking child abuse and the mental health connection. Um, and what the toxic stress does, it puts us, you know, in chronic stress and it damages and, and affects areas of the brain and it actually changes um, what's going on in our brain? It changes different areas of the brain, um, and then we have, you know, our physical, our physical ailments. Um, a lot of survivors um, do. It has been tracked back to, that um, you have fibromyalgia. I'm one of those. I have fibromyalgia, but um, I've also gotten some relief from that. Um, just a little bit of relief. I still have a lot of days of pain, but there's yeah. something myofascial release technique that an amazing um, PT in Mary Esther um, actually did a study a couple of summers ago and I was blessed to be part of that study and the, you know Melanie Broom um, absolutely fantastic and you know I want to I want to read something um, and I have to read it and I don't know we're, we're not doing um, scripted uh, scripted shows anymore, but this is something that I have to read because it's something that actually was very, very powerful when I was first in therapy, um, when I was seeing weekly therapists. And I started my healing journey. My, my, my world literally collapsed when I was in my mid-30s and I was working in patient care at that time and I had to eventually leave. You know, one of my nurses that I worked under, um, she looked at me that day. I just walked in the office and she says, are you okay? And I'm thinking to myself and I'm, my mouth is, is saying yes. And my head, I could see it was going no. And I literally crumbled. And that's mm -hmm. when she helped me to make the call to, to, to the, to Casa, um, and start, start therapy. But, um, this is, this is a, actually, it's a, they say it's a quote, but it's actually part of, something um a book that portia nelson wrote called there's a hole in my sidewalk the romance of self-discovery and i read this this really was powerful so powerful it's chapter one of my life i walk down the street there's a deep hole in the sidewalk i fall in i am lost i am helpless it isn't my fault I, it still takes forever to find a way out Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. And it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. 
chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down a different street. And that's by Portia Nelson. There's a hole in my sidewalk. It was just, it's just really, really powerful. For me. And I had to get, you know, I had to get a copy of that. Um, I have my, my counselor copy that for me so I could carry that with me because it just felt very powerful as it is okay as we we don't see the holes we keep falling in and the um and for me I I experienced repeated abuse um various people um but it's just it was a very powerful piece so I just you know I felt moved to share that I hadn't you know, sought that out or planned to share it when I was getting ready for the show, but it was something that just hit my heart, and I'm like, I, I hope it resonates with somebody out there. Um, now, the, the mental health, about numbers of one in five, um, and I am one in five. My name is Lee. I am one in five. Um, and my story, let's see if we get that there. My story is not over yet. That's um, right. You know, that's, that's important. It's just, I look at that, you know, I've had that for over a year, probably two years now, maybe. Um, but it's very that's powerful. Awesome. It's a powerful reminder of how far I've come, how strong I am, and how much crap I have waded through. And for me, I needed help. I couldn't, I couldn't start that journey alone. And some people are able to do that alone. Um, and that's absolutely fantastic. And for me, I also, I did not want to take any meds, but I did end up taking an antidepressant because I was, um, I was so far down in the abyss that there was absolutely not a spark of light. Mm -hmm. And the particular medication my, uh, my doctor gave me, um, actually, it usually takes a couple of weeks or so to start working within your body, but in, in a week's time, I literally, I was, I was seeing light, and it was just absolutely amazing. Um, That's awesome. But um, it, it's just really difficult, you know. And for a long time, you know, when I'm 14 yeah. to 18, I did want to take my own life, and I was blessed. The only thing that stopped me was being blessed with being pregnant with my son, who just turned 41. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm so incredibly proud of him, of the young man that he has become, you know, not only the young man he has become, but the father, um, the dad that he is, and where he is in life, he's just amazing. You know, he is my, my world, and he's blessed me with five amazing grandchildren, you know, 19 years old down to three. So um, it's just pretty awesome. So those those thoughts, um, those suicidal ideations, I, they they stop when I when I found out I was pregnant. That was that was it. It was like, boom, it was gone. It dissolved, gone, boom. Um, and I know it's not that easy for so many others out there, um, you know. And the mental health counseling that I sought, I ended up seeing a counselor again for some compound grief the last couple of years and we just closed my case um, he retired from you know from the agency I was I was going to that he was at and um, but we were able to close my case I discussed a lot of other past issues there with him and found some more healing 
And there's awesome. a book that I found out I brought one day because it was really interesting and I had to show him. And as I showed him this book and we talked about it, he shared with me that he had actually seen um, seen this doctor, Bessel, Bessel van der Kolk, and I've never heard it pronounced, so I really pray that I'm saying it correctly or close to. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And this is the book, it's what it looks like. Um, there you go. But it's really, it, there's a lot of general knowledge in there, but there's also a lot of clinical stuff, which um, for me being the daughter and granddaughter of nurses and having worked in the medical field at one point, um, I, I can get a lot of that. I can grasp that pretty well, but it's not a book of, that I can read overnight and, and just, no. um, I read it in piece, piece by piece and just kind of process what I've read and take a while. So yeah. it is, it's really, um, it, it's really hard. It, it's, it's a difficult journey for so many, so many of us. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, we support each other, um, you know, as survivors. And there, there are a lot of issues that are also, um, like you touched on the, the drugs, Lori, um, and things like that. There are a lot of other things that are common with those who are, are living with type any mental illness, whether it be depression, um, the PTSD, which, you know, I had this. Um, I also had, um, I had been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder very early on in my therapy. That was, I mean, gosh, that was in the 90s. So, um, but I, that was something that can be worked through and that you can heal from once you do the work. And mm -hmm. I've done that. And um, it's, it's not something that I, really awesome. understood to begin with i thought oh bpd no 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 no. that's not me no i don't have that no no <laughs> no personality disorder but it's when i learned more about it i understood it better and it was related to all the trauma that i that i had survived through um, yeah so that's you know i still deal with depression i still deal with ptsd um and, and like the body, the body keeps the score. You know, this book, um, there's the body memories. We have some memories from some of us. Um, we deal with this different. Some of us have, you know, we remember all the abuse. Others remember bits and pieces. Others don't remember anything um, in, in their, their head wise, but their body keeps the score. The body yeah. remembers. It remembers. Um, and it's just it's powerful to to really read that and to understand um a lot more of where where i've been as a survivor um so you know if if you can get that book if you're able to read something like that um i, I highly recommend it because you know i'm not i'm not even halfway through it and i'm going to be going backwards again and, and reading some more. <laughs> uh, yeah but it, it's a powerful book. It really is. Um, That's cool. You know, it, it, it's hard. It it's, like as you mentioned the groups, group therapy. That was something that, you know, it, it's great when it works for, you know, for someone. It's just groups really didn't work for me. I needed, you know, I did better one-on-one. -on -one. Um, mm -hmm. 
we were going to have me try, you know, do a small group, but that just never happened. And actually, I'm not really comfortable. Do, you know, I wasn't really comfortable at the time doing that. Um, excuse me. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's, it, we're all on, you know, as survivors, we're all on, you know, healing, you know, those of us that are healing at the point that we're, we're ready to approach that we're ready to do some work. We're ready to acknowledge, okay, it comes with acknowledging that we were abused, you know, assaulted, raped, um, lived through domestic violence. Um, but it's acknowledging that and then being ready to say, okay, I need some help. I need some help to work on this and to get through this. You know, some people can just put it away. Some people can just, okay, it happened. Let's lock it up and be done with it. Um, yeah. But really, it's like, you know, it, it hit me straight on up in the face like an Arctic storm. And there was no going around it, under it, over it. <laughs> I, had to, you know, I had to go through it. I had to, yeah. okay, you're yeah. here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it was a really, really difficult journey. Um, and at one point, my beautiful mama, while well, she was in the nursing home from her, her stroke, um, she looked at me and she said, I don't know why you had to have such a hard life. You know, and I'm like, I, I, I don't either. And at that point, I, I still didn't understand. But what I've survived and the strength that I have, um, that I have now, that I have today, is something that I can share with others, you know, and you too, Lori, is like, you know, it's like we can share this, this strength from, from our CSA and, and the abuses that we survived and the traumas, we can share that. And for me, um, I also, I also um, have been sober 27 years since January 1st. Very proud. Very proud. Uh, it was, it was rough, but it was a way of hiding in the pain, numbing the pain, you know, just getting it to go away. But every time you're not drinking, every time you're sober, that just comes right back. It's not, it's not going to go away and stay away, yeah. but I had to be ready and I had to hit my bottom and that bottom actually, it happened when I was, um, I was doing a lot of self-harm. There was a lot of self-harm, you know, a lot of um, love cutting. Um, and it, I know it hurt my mama's heart. It hurt my mama's heart to see me going through what I was going through. But that's when I called my, my therapist and said, hey, because um, Sandy would always ask me, you know, do you, need to, do you need to go in? Do you need to go to the hospital? And I'm like, no, no, but I will let you know. So she trusted me on that. And, you know, eventually I picked up the phone. And I said, hey, I need to go. You know, I, I need to go to the hospital. So she set that up for me and said that um, they'll be waiting for you. Um, so all I had to do was get a ride and go down to the hospital. And I did that. I did that for two weeks down there. And then I went into um, a rehab center for almost three months. And, yeah, it was really, really difficult. Um, I believe it. And a lot of things when I got sober, it, it's like we had speakers 
you know, we would have regular speakers. Um, and I can't remember if they came once a month or, but they came on a regular basis. And um, there was one woman there who came and shared her, her story and her experience, her strength, her hope. And she said, it's going to be hard. And she, um, we're sitting basically in a circle. And then there was a speaker and I was sitting next to someone who, you know, and I, I won't share any names, but um, it was another woman. And all of a sudden, you know, as the speaker shared that she had survived and she had survived incest, um, it was like I had my body just got so sick and I thought I was going to vomit all over the floor. And I literally I grabbed this person's hand and. I think she actually absorbed some of what I was feeling because we shared afterwards. She said she felt it. She, she said, I felt what you were going through. Um, yeah. it, it was powerful. And I'm grateful that she was there, but I kind of wish I had a little bit more um, advanced notice about the topic, you know, of the mm -hmm. speaker. But that was my body remembering. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't remember a lot, you know, tiny bits and pieces, but my body really it remembered and it remembered um, like a volcano erupting. That's that's mm -hmm. what I can connect it to. It was like Mount Vesuvius just going and that was it. You know, yeah. it, it was horrible. Um, it's awful. So, you know, once, you're so, once you're sober or you're clean, you know, as an addict, uh, you know, it's time to start dealing with the crap that comes up um, and it's not always easy. So there was a lot of journaling, a lot of talking with the counselors, um, but I am very grateful for that, um, that part of my journey because it helped me to start dealing with this, this mess. Um, and you mentioned that you know, we, we all heal differently. We heal in our own time. There is no time frame, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Some of us will be, you know, there are things that we may be healing from for the rest of our lives. Or, you know, some people do, survivors do get to a point where it's like, hey, I'm okay. You know, everything's everything's great. Now I can, you know, continue moving forward. I can continue to move forward and, and be support to other survivors. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> you know, I still deal with the PTSD. Um, I feel bad for, actually for my son who was in high school at the time we were in a grocery store and I got really, I got glared at by, you know, a couple of people who were down the other end of the aisle in the, in the food store um, because they didn't, they didn't know what was going on with me, but I sort of kind of lost it in a sense that my son stepped behind me. I mean, innocent enough, you know, it's like, and without thought, without a, taking a breath, it's like, I, reached around, I grabbed his, you know, took his, his hand, his arm, part of him, like, and I brought him out in front of me, and I said, I told you, never walk, never stand behind me, you know, don't do that, please don't do that, um, it was, I, I was triggered so badly, because I was assaulted, um, from behind at one point, and, yeah. um, that just really set that emotion that it triggered me so badly, and yeah. apparently it was loud enough for these people down the other end to look and, and it's like one of them was an older person and an older man and they just kind of turned and they looked at me it's like 
And I'm like, you know, and I told my son, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I said, I told you, please don't stand behind me. Um, and when I tried to go to college, um, that's hard. I don't remember because I dissociated a lot for a long time. Um, you know, I always had to take the chair and sit up against the wall by the door. Mm-hmm. Because I've got to be by that exit. Something happens, I might have boom. I'm going to get out. You know, yeah. anyway, that that's true for uh, positional. You know, was, um, mm-hmm. had to be by the door. Had to have my back to the door. And you know, some of the other students, well, or most of them in the class, I mean, kind of looked, and it's like, but you know, that that's what I needed to do, and I did it. You know, I let the instructor know ahead of time, you know, if this happens, I, you know, I've got to be by the door. I've got to have my back. I've got to be able to see everything and everyone. You know, it's it's reaction to the trauma. And, um, you know, you be prepared. Something's going to come at me. I'm going to be prepared this time. You know, mm-hmm. um, we have this fight or flight response yes. that, that yeah. kicks in when we experience um, things like, um, violence, abuse, um, or things, or, or rapes, um, and sometimes neither one of those kick in, and what kicks in is we freeze. Mm-hmm. We we're completely frozen in place, and that has happened so that has happened multiple times to me, and it's like I didn't run, I didn't fight, I didn't do anything. It's my fault. No, it's not fault it's not my fault it wasn't my fault um but you freeze and it's and and that's okay however we respond is how we need to respond in the moment and it's never our fault and you know there's a lot of things that we learn on our journey to healing and um, Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for where i am today i really am so awesome um, but yeah it deeply affected me it you know with, with mental health struggles mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to be able to share that publicly and to be able to share that on an open forum you know mm-hmm. like on social media it's like you know you we're allowing ourselves to be vulnerable i'm allowing myself to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people won't do that and that's okay that's okay they can't yeah. do that um, that's right but, you know know that they are supported you are supported whatever you do or don't choose to do that's your journey your choice that's um, right. your healing and you know it's that's where where things are and like I said I'm, I'm grateful to be where I am today and do what I can do and just be there to support others but it does it deeply affects us it deeply mm-hmm. affects us um, well into our adult years yeah into the adult years a long time yeah these things are hard and um you know all of us like everybody's different like we were saying so you know people are affected differently by these types of trauma or abuse and things like that but the issue is that um it does affect the brain it affects the body it affects affects our, our soul our spirit um i know like we were talking and donna was talking uh, you know things that we can do to to help ourselves. You know, um, and things that many survivors of abuse and trauma do do to um, you know to, to enjoy life. You know, and actually start to enjoy who we are as people. And that's just finding out what you really you know what a person likes, what a person wants to do. 
Um, like, like Donna and Lee both love photography. And so, you know, walking in nature and taking photos and of these beautiful scenic, you know, you know, areas where they can get into nature and surround themselves. It's very peaceful. Um, I really enjoy music. Music's huge for me. Um, and I love the guitar and strings. So I'm learning the guitar right now. And um, this kind of stuff can be very, very helpful uh, to have something to, uh, something good in our lives that we enjoy doing. You know, if you, like people, people, there's people that love to draw. I can't draw. <laughs> I can draw stick figures, like little stick people. <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> I don't even try because it's just terrible. I have tried in the past to do some painting and drawing, but I'm not very good at it. Um, but you know, some people, it doesn't matter if you're good at it. That's the issue. I'm not very good at guitar either. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd play a song for you. Um, you know, it's because I enjoy it. So it's not That's about. What matters. Yeah. yeah, it's not about uh, you know that I, I'm, I'm not trying to be the world's greatest guitarist here. <laughs> I, I'm actually enjoying the learning process of learning all this stuff. Stick figures. That's me. Trees with no leaves. You know, I can do those. Those are great. Yeah. And photography. Photography is awesome. Um, I've loved that since I was a kid. Um, me too. Yeah. Art yeah, is a powerful healing tool. You know, it's a powerful healing tool. And, you know, set me down even now when I have a really, really, I'm um, dealing with, um, you know, about a depression is bad. And I just pick up, I grab some crackers and I go down to the local duck pond, the little park, the duck pond. And as soon as you, you start walking on the path and you step on the grass, it's like they all come running at you. It's great. I sit there, you know, I sit on the ground with, with the crackers open and I've got like 30 ducks wrapped around me. You know, there's one shy one behind me the last time. Um, but it's like I'm laughing like a little kid. And I yeah. don't care who listens. I don't care who no. who thinks what because this, yeah. this, it's not about them. This is me. It's dogs. It's it's a great day. I was there 15 minutes the last time, and I mean, my spirit was just lifted. You know, I was clear yeah. up to the sun. I was, you know, felt so much better. But yeah, um, yeah awesome. it's, that is. We got to do art, um, nature, the ocean. You know. For some people, mm. it's a hike in, in, in the woods, and which is awesome, too. For me, it's a connection to nature and art and um, animals. Yeah. Are, you know, powerful, powerful healing they have for me. So whatever Absolutely. works best for each one of us, you know, do it for you. Do it because you matter. You mm -hmm. matter. You are important, you know. That's right. And if you're 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 feeling down, you are having a really bad time. Reach out to somebody, you know. Just reach out. Yeah. There's That's the right. National Suicide Hotline, and um, call them. Just call them. They they're there to listen, and you know can refer you if if need be. And for those in the LGBTQ community, if you know for youth um, who need somebody to talk to, and you don't want to call that line. There's the Trevor Project, and they are an incredible, incredible resource. Yes, they are. Yeah, that's right. It's just knowing that there are people yeah. that do care, and yeah. you 
know, as survivors of trauma and abuse, you know, especially abuse, um, sometimes or bullying, you know, they just feel like, you know, nobody cares, you know, and, and they, you know, they don't realize that there are people that really do care. And, but unless you make that phone call, you think they can't help you. So you have to reach out. And that's where I started at the age of 42 years ago now. Um, realizing that, hey, nobody even knows I'm struggling with these issues. Nobody even knows that I'm coming out on the day after my work day wanting to take my own life because of the trauma that I suffered. So I need to reach out. I need to make a call. I need to talk to somebody. You know what I mean? Because uh, nobody, nobody knew that I was struggling with all of this stuff. Um, my husband knew, but he was terminally ill. He was pretty sick and really, you know, wasn't, he, he didn't know the depth really of the issues he knew, he knew what i'd gone through but he didn't realize the depth of of the ptsd and the depression so this is it a lot of times people around us don't know that we're struggling and that we really do need help and sometimes even if you say oh i'm struggling i'm not doing so well it may slip by them and they may just be like not listening you know actively listening to you or just not thinking how serious of an issue this is for you. You know, so if you're listening to this right now and you are struggling, you make a phone call. You stick it out. Lee made a call. I started getting help. I actually went online to do it instead of making a phone call. But I told myself and I made myself a promise that if I ever got that low again, ever, after age 42 when I decided to live and not die, I was like, you know, I am making a phone call. I am not going to be destroyed by my past. I am not going to be destroyed by the abuse. I mean, it almost destroyed me. Because, you know, I mean, it did destroy part of me. But the thing is, is I thought, you know what? No. I win this fight. I win because I'm going to get help. And to me, that's the biggest, the best, the best outcome from the abuse and the trauma that I suffered is, is to actually stay alive and do well. And, and do the self-care and do the mental wellness stuff and do the things that I need to do to take, to take care of myself and have a good life because we all deserve that. We all yes, do. Yes, we do. You know, it takes, it takes, it takes our participation though. <laughs> Somebody yeah. else can't do that for me. We, we and Donna can't do that for me. I have to make those decisions. You know, it's my body. It's my life. Um, they can't do that for me. They can be there to support me in what I'm doing. But I'm the one that needs to actually say, oh, I need help, man. You know what I mean? Yes. And so it's so important. It's really important. Do not be destroyed by your past. You know? Don't be destroyed by the abuse and, and no. the abuse. It's, it's not okay with what happened to you if you're a survivor of abuse. I was talking about that today on my own show <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not you know it's not okay what they did to you it's not okay what they did to us it's not okay but the thing is we're stuck with it we're stuck with ourselves too and that's where i started to realize like hey no i didn't deserve any of that and i love myself and i do love myself and i'm and i learned how to 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 i'm learning how to care for myself how to do these things that i need to do to take care of myself and it's a learning process, like we were saying. It's you know we just keep working at it, you know, on our journey. But um, you, we have to do the work. So I have to do the work. 
um, Kate Mitchell, we all here know who Kate Mitchell is. <laughs> I always talk about her because she used to be a psychotherapist helping survivors of abuse and trauma and, she, and also a foster, foster parent to many survivors of abuse, um, young youth that were abused, right? So she's, she's done a lot of work in the field and she would say, you know, you're going to make it, mate. She's from Australia. <laughs> yeah. like, you're going to yeah. make it. She goes, because you're doing the work. You're doing the work. Because I literally did the work. I'm talking years of work to get where I am today. To be able to say, things are pretty good in my life. I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, we all struggle with all sorts of things, you know, and life is a struggle. Life is a struggle. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we've talked about on shows before, all three of us have had health issues this last few years that could have just discouraged us to the point to say, we're not doing anything anymore. Just giving up, you know. Um, it's like, no, no, no. We're we're fighting this thing. We're gonna we're gonna do the best we can with what we have, and that's all we can do in this life. That's all you can do. Yeah. So and sometimes uh, people just need someone to listen to them. Yeah, 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 that's right. And just to know that somebody cares, right? Yes. Because especially survivors, survivors of abuse, they, you know, grow up with no care, no love normally. Sometimes there's somebody that they were close to, like a grandparent or, you know, um, or maybe the other parent, not abused by both parents. Um, you know, they may have experienced some love. But the issue is, is just as a survivor of abuse, quite often isolated uh, and just feeling that nobody cares. And there are people that do care, but it's just having somebody to talk to and knowing that somebody does care. So that's why I make that phone call. If you're struggling and you don't think you can do it any further, you know, you're just like, I can't do another five minutes. And like Donna says, wait five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Give it five minutes, man. Yeah. You <laughs> can get through the next five minutes. You can get through anything. That's right. That's exactly right. And I mean, Lee's still sitting here after years of, of suicidal ideation. I'm still here after years of suicidal ideation. And I mean, seriously, sitting in my car at the edge of the Grand Canyon, just waiting to step on the gas. I, I was just trying to convince myself to push the gas pedal because I'd be over the edge quick. I mean, I used, to, I used to live in the Grand Canyon. And it was like, you know, I'm still here. And I'm so thankful to be here. So thankful, so grateful to the people who have helped me along the road. There have been a lot of people that have helped me. Um, just the support, just so, you know, knowing that people care, right? By surviving, we beat them. We won. You win. By surviving <laughs> and driving, we have won. We are here, you know, right. we are here. And we are thankful. That's right. We win. And we win. yes. To get through this life, you know, you're a survivor. This life is hard. And people come through so many things. That's why we cover so many topics. Um, you know, because people are struggle in life through so many different things. Really to live this life is to be a survivor. So That's you know, we we can hold our heads high and we can stand proud and tall you know because we're survivors and we made it you know and this is it we're doing good so that's what we want for other people that's why we keep sharing our, our messages really um 
this month being mental health wellness um, awareness is mental health awareness month. We're going to be talking basically about that. And next Wednesday will be with our Wellness Wednesday, and of course we'll incorporate this mental health month. So that's we'll be doing that next Wednesday. Um, we also have um, a mental health webinar workshop coming up at the end yes. of the month. So we'll be sure to, and give you some details as soon as we sort of solidify everything. But that we're going to have speakers come on, and it's 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 going to be an amazing event where you can sign up to attend, and you know it's free, and uh, there'll be lots of great speakers, not just ourselves. <laughs> so it's going to be wonderful. Um, you know, it's we, we appreciate the support. Like anybody who's watching and listening to us now, we're listening somewhere on Anchor FM or you know all over the place. We're all over the place. Um, <laughs> We really appreciate your support. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to what we have to say. We're three women that really care, and we really want to make a difference in in, in this world. Um, you know what we want? You know, we touch on so many different topics, and the last few months it's sort of been child abuse related, but it, but all through the year, you know, it will change, and it's based on what's happening in that particular month that are going on. So, I mean, we could be talking about bullying. We could be talking about suicide prevention. Um, we could be talking about homelessness. We could be talking about drug addiction. Any, any number of things, right? And yes. so we appreciate everybody who's listening, staying tuned, um, sharing our work. You know, we appreciate it. Get involved. Um, just remember, like everybody who doesn't know, all of my books that I write, that I've written, uh, One Child Be Survivor to Another, The Journey, a Life of Death Redemption and the Vita Juvies, those books that I wrote, all of the proceeds are going to AU4H uh, Community Kids Watch Program. Yes. And it's in memory of Anson Stover, who died from the abuse that he suffered uh, horrifically in the Donis area, in Pennsylvania there, in December. So that's in his honor. It's in his memory. And so I... I'm so happy about that. Like that just makes me so happy. Um, so don't forget that my books, all the I don't make money off those books. I never have. I always donate the money for those books, and that's where it's going to help stop and prevent child abuse. So get involved. You know, if you want more information on what, what our community kids watch program, you can get information from our website, and you can you know hook up with us if you want to get involved. Um, you know, you don't have to you can get involved in your own community like where you live, right? And it's just so important, right? It really is. Because for every child that we save from abuse, every every child that gets saved from a life of abuse, um, it, it has a better chance of not developing these mental illnesses yes. and having this horrible situation as an adult. We need to save children from abuse. We need to stop and prevent child abuse. Um, the, you know, we need to, first of all, save their lives. I mean, God, children are dying. So this is the issue. You know, whatever it is, get involved. And if you don't want to get involved, I always say it because, you know, sometimes people are just, you know, oh, it's all about our, our organization. The issue is, is even if you don't want to get involved with us, get involved with somebody who's doing something to make a difference in this world. Exactly. Yeah, because there's a lot of good groups out there doing great work, and there's a lot of great advocates out there. We know a lot of advocates ourselves. Yes, <laughs> because yes we, we do. We we know tons and tons of advocates, but the thing is, and they're all doing great work for their own, you know, whatever they support. That's wonderful, 
the issue is just get involved. You don't have to get involved with us. But if you do, hey, we're, we're glad to have you join us. But if you don't, get involved with somebody who's doing something. Um, to just make be a voice. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, is that it, ladies, for tonight? That's a wrap. <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for being here. We appreciate it. We'll be back next Wednesday, this Wednesday. Be sure to tune in because that's going to be really good. Um, we're going to be, of course, tying in the mental wellness, mental health. But the thing is, is we really want you to join us for that one. Absolutely. Yes. So have a great night, everybody. And, you know, peace. <laughs> Good night, Take everyone. Care. Good, Good night. night, everybody. Thank you for joining us.